0: Hey Bill's Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day: all bills all the time. And now Matt Bove at Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo.
1: Well, well, welcome back. The second episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. First one, very much a success, if I may say so myself. I just enjoyed listening to Matt Bovay and his story about Aaron Rodgers, and we've been talking about that. But Matt Bovay joins me here, Sal Capaccio. Good to see you. Good to talk to you, Matt.
0: Hopefully, if anybody is listening to this, it means that they liked the first episode and they came back for a little bit more, or maybe this is the first time they're checking it out. Either way, we appreciate everybody. And hi, Sal. How are you today?
1: I, I'm doing well. Um, I just got back from Florida. And as you know, I, I, I went there, I played golf over the weekend. I'm going to get to that in a minute, but you went to Bill's OTA. So we're going to talk about what you observed. I was not out there, so I can't speak on it. And we're going to get to all that. But before we do, we want to kind of reintroduce what we're doing here because this is only the second episode. Maybe somebody is stumbling on it or saw us on Twitter, promote it or whatever. Uh, the first episode, a lot of great feedback. We appreciate it. It's always game day in Buffalo. That's the name of it. And if you'll notice around the country, Odyssey, the company I work for, WGR Sports Radio 550. They're kind of popping up, always game day in Cleveland. You're going to see some more markets, always game day. And it's going to be exclusive content devoted towards the NFL team in that market or nearby market. And here, it's the Buffalo Bills. So you got Matt over at Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo. He's the sports director there. You got me, Sal Capaccio, Bills beaten sideline reporter, WGR. And Matt, we're going to be doing this throughout the offseason and then especially cranking it up during the season.
0: Well, the name is perfect because it really does feel like it's always game day in Buffalo and there's no such thing as the off season. Sometimes we joke that the off season is even busier than the actual season itself. And This is the most anticipated season that we've had in years and years and years, which is crazy because we said the same thing last year. And then we said the same thing the year before that. But I mean, just look at the betting odds. We're going to talk about that later in the show. The Bills are the Super Bowl favorites. Everybody thinks this team has what it takes to win it all. They were so close last year. So I think fans are just that much more excited and they can't get enough of talking about the team and hearing about the team. And that's why we're here. It's
1: perfect. And we want to tell you how you can listen to this all the time. And of course, you know, these days I would hope everybody would know how to get a podcast, but if you don't, you can just search for it. Obviously you can go to the Odyssey app. You can go to Apple iTunes podcasts. We're working on getting it on other platforms. Spotify should hopefully show up soon. Google podcasts, whatever it is, wherever you pod, it's always game day in Buffalo subscribe. Or as I learned this week. Matt, maybe you might just click follow instead of subscribe. I think you have to do it that way. I'm not really sure on some of these places. It's not always subscribing these days, but make sure you do that. And then as soon as we have a new episode, bam, it uploads right into wherever you pod. You can listen after you're done. You can delete it, do whatever, save it, archive it, throw us a nice review. That would be nice. Be nice to us. (laughs) Say some nice things about us, but make sure you go subscribe or follow this podcast, obviously.
0: Well, it was funny because I did that. So I followed the podcast and on Apple podcast, because that's usually where I listen to. And then, I got in my car and I have Apple CarPlay and I'm just driving and basically it just popped up and it was like hey you've got a new episode as I was going to practice I was like oh okay well I'll listen to it I'll see how it sounds and I was like hey look at that it's Sal and I how funny is that so yeah it seems like it's super easy and hopefully everybody it's gone smooth up to this point and it'll be everywhere where you pod sometime in the next little bit here.
1: And we want to thank Odyssey and all the production staff behind the scenes. Jim Stelliano has been really good about helping us get this up and running. And, you know, the production he does behind the scenes. So thank you very much to him. We want to thank him. And he's going to be a part of this as we go forward as well. So I was in Florida. Matt, you played competitive golf in high school, I believe, correct?
0: Yeah, but competitive golf in Buffalo is a little bit different than competitive. I played high school golf at Wheatfield for three years, 10th, okay, 11th, but- and 12th grade.
1: But well, most people just go out and play like you're actually were in matches. You like things that matter. Oh, yeah. It's not just you and your buddies going, let's see who can beat each other for five bucks. I mean, it's competitive golf. And and once a year, I get that that chance. I, I didn't play competitive golf growing up, but started playing in my mid 20s. And then for about 20 years now, we've been doing this tournament down in Florida. Uh, 24 guys it's grown into. That, That's awesome. You know, a bunch of them live down there. I fly in a couple others fly in. I don't get to play. I don't get to play all year round like they do. So I go and I work on my game and go to the you know indoor range of the dome or whatever. But for the last few years, I've gotten a lot better. And I'll just say this, Matt. You'd be too good. You couldn't play for us. Like, you couldn't play in our tournament because you'd probably win. You shoot in the 70s sometimes, right?
0: Yeah, but I would say most of the time it's low 80s. I'm, like, right on that border. I'm, like, a nine handicap. So sometimes I sneak into the 70s. But I'd say a typical round is, like, 82, 83. Okay,
1: I think you'd be too good to play with us. Like, the the best guys in our group are – basically mid to high 80s on, on a good day and that's where okay. I fall generally I try to play bogey golf but last year I, I actually won the whole thing I was in the top division we we play off Saturday and Sunday and even if you stink it's okay because we you play against other guys who stink and that's what's the fun of it on, mm-hmm. on Monday and we all play for the same thing no matter which division you're in if you will yeah. And I made it to the top and I won it last year I was the defending champ so this year Matt just gonna tell you my golf story I have to do it because I'm still sticking with me it's in my craw I was six down. I was in the top division. I was six down with five holes to play. And I shot the most amazing golf of my life over the next five holes. I parred each one of them. Par, 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 par. I shot a 40 on the back nine with a double, by the way, That's on one amazing. of the holes, early yes. holes. That's I unbelievable. Forced, I forced a playoff and I lost.
0: Uh, it's almost like you don't, I don't know. I, I see it both ways you'd almost rather just not go on that tear and just lose because then you're not so close to victory losing in a playoff has to sting, but it's also, that's really good golf. That's really consistent. And under
1: pressure, right? Which is amazing. That was the craziest part was I was coming down and I had to hit every shot. I had to hit every putt. I one putted at least three of those holes, including a 12 footer to force the playoff, by the way, when I knew I had to have it, which was incredible. And it was kind of bending and it did it, but then I get to the playoff hole and I'm still kicking myself for using a sand wedge instead of an A wedge from a, I was a little, maybe about a hundred yards out and there was a little bit of a wind and that's what's sticking with me today. Were
0: you short or long?
1: I was short. I was short. Should sure have used the A wedge.
0: Okay. See, actually, I think you pro- now not knowing your distances, I actually think you probably made the right decision because okay. I feel like in any of those situations where there's something on the line and the juices are flowing, you should always take less club because okay. usually you're going to hit it better than I'm always of the belief that when you take more club and you try and just hit it soft, usually your swing gets funky and you don't okay. follow through the right way. So that's kind of always the way that I've done it. But I mean, either way, that's really good golf. And that's just practice sale for the Bills Media Tournament. Not too yes, that's coming up
1: on June 8th, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. Uh, by the way, I um, the, the guy I lost to, he shot really well, and he made a really nice shot. Uh, we were both short, and he got it a little closer than I did. But that's sticking with me, so I got a year to kind of think about that. Um, you, while I was out in Florida you were at Bill's OTAs you were able to go out there there's only one media available session so you were able to watch and we have great video from you out there people can check out your Twitter feed and post in your videos and over at Channel 7 of course now Paul Hamilton was covering from us but I think Paul still uses a flip phone so I don't think he was (laughs) taking much video but I kid Paul obviously what did you see out there what were you shooting and what stood out to you
0: you want to know what Bill's fans are going to be super excited about what what Von Miller still has so much juice and it's oh, and it's, yeah. it's one day of OTAs. So like everybody needs to temper things a bit. And I know that I'm probably adding fuel to the fire, but you can just tell that this guy is built different. Every drill that he does, he comes off the line a little bit different And the best thing about all of it was he was attached at the hip to Greg Rousseau. And that's the hidden thing that the addition of Von Miller does to this team. And it's not just Greg Rousseau. It's Greg Rousseau. It's Boogie Basham. It's A.J. Epinesa. If Von Miller comes into this team and does what Von Miller is capable of doing, the Bills are going to have one of the best defenses in the NFL. If Von Miller comes in, does what he's supposed to do, and Greg Russo, A.J. Epinesa, or Boogie Basham take the next step, it doesn't have to be all three. If they hit on one or two of those guys, then we're talking about legitimately maybe the best defense in the NFL, and then you pair that with Josh Allen in the offense, it's a really good-looking squad. So that was the biggest thing that stood out to me was that Von Miller still has it, and he's a leader, and that's so evident that he's just out there trying to make everybody better. I think from an offensive standpoint, It's a little bit tough to kind of gauge because you know those coaches are telling them, do not get close to them, do not try and hit them. So when they hand it off to James Cook and he's able to run for 10 yards, well, there's really not anybody contesting him for those 10 yards. They're just making sure that their formations are right. So the biggest takeaway for me was Von Miller. Josh Allen still made some ridiculous Excuse me, throws. I know the Bills posted the one where he was running up and he threw it up to Dawson Knox, or excuse me, he threw it up to Gabriel Davis. It looks like they're picking up right where they left off. So it's like temper expectations here, but Von Miller seems like he is going to be that guy.
1: The One of the first things I noticed watching your videos and some of our colleagues is, again, the jersey number, number 40, right? Just a weird number to see a guy out there as a defensive end. And this is a Hall of Fame defensive end. He's wearing number 40. When you went out there, you guys were looking for him. You you probably found him right away, though, wearing jersey number 40 out there.
0: And it's not just him. So, yeah, you look for number 40 for him. But there's some other weird changes that are going to take time for people to get used to, especially people who don't watch the team every single day, like Boogie Basham. We're in 55. How about that? The Jerry Hughes number for a long time. Yeah, that's right. Boogie Basham is in it. So you look and you're like, that's strange. Isaiah McKenzie wearing six. That's really interesting. And then punt God wearing his old number 19 which was strange. And then the one to me that was maybe stranger than any of them was Taron Johnson because Taron Johnson was working off to the side with the linebackers, which he does all the time because he doesn't really have like a set position. So it was Milano, it was Edmonds, and it was Taron Johnson. And Taron Johnson is wearing number seven now. And Kyrie Elam, the Bills' first-round pick, is wearing his old number 24. And Bills fans are going to soon realize Kyrie Elam and Taron Johnson have very different body types, look very different on the field. So it was strange seeing like a tall, long corner in number 24 and then seeing Taron Johnson working (laughs) with the linebackers wearing number seven. So these are the things that we're going to get used to. And And it's still just so like the McKenzie one is weird. You just think of him as 19 and now he's not. Now that's a punter. So these are the joys of OTAs. It's not just seeing who's out there and who's actually here in Buffalo. It's seeing what numbers these guys are wearing.
1: They're going to have a few more weeks of OTAs, then a mandatory minicamp at the middle of June. Then they're going to be off. And then training camp should start right around July 23rd. That's the first eligible date for the bills. I'm assuming they will start on that date because of the way the CBA is structured and the fact they're playing in that opening game. So you brought a couple of names here and a couple of things. The last time I was out there, it was rookie minicamp. We could not watch Matt Ariza. Were you able to see anything from him? Remember in rookie minicamp, he went indoors, so we didn't see anything. What'd you see from him at all?
0: So I didn't see anything from him. Now I will, full disclosure, I went back. So the way practice is kind of formatted is we're allowed to shoot about the first 40, 45 minutes of it. Right. I then went back to the media room to get the rest of my equipment so I could get ready for the press conferences after the fact, but I only missed about 15 or 20 minutes. And I, when I was actually out on the field, I didn't see any actual punting from him. My guess is that they still brought them into the field house for all of that work, just because that gives them the whole field. Like it's weird for a punter to just kind of work in his own corner. And for everybody who's listening, whether you know, you're know you at home in the car, or whatever the bills practice situation is they have two full outdoor fields And then they have the field house right to the left of that. So usually we see one set of drills going on on one field, another set of drills going on on the second field. And then sometimes they bring the specialists into the field house. And sometimes they actually even bring them into the stadium because the wind in the stadium is so different. And that's the best place for them to practice. So I didn't get to see any punt God punts yet, but I'm very much looking forward to it when I get a chance.
1: Yeah, I think we all are, right? We're all waiting on this. And um, it's going to be a storyline all year. And I, I'm just here to tell Bills fans right now, you might be mad about me saying this. It is not a slam dunk that Matt Ariza makes this team. I mean, he no. not only does he have to hold, we've talked about that, he still has to beat out Matt Hawk, who is a professional punter. And I understand. I get it. There's Bills fans screaming at their pod right now or driving in their, their car and listening. Matt, and they're going, Sal, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? Matt Hawk was, he stunk last year. Look, I get it. I understand that. But, Matt, every time we turn around, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott are saying to us, we just think he had a one-off year. We just think he had a one-off year. We still believe in him. They they should restructure his contract. They didn't get rid of him. They brought Mm -hmm. him back, and they restructured his contract, yes, to make it easier to move on if they have to. But I think by bringing him back and by not simply just moving on from him and saving the money has also kind of shown that they're going to – I think he's the guy to beat still, and Ariza has to beat him. He probably does, but he still has to do it. See, I actually think I would say that
0: Ariza is the guy to beat. Okay, this is just my—I very much view this as the Stephen Hauschka Tyler Bass situation from a couple years ago, and I still think that Hawk has a chance here. But I think if Ariza comes into the off season, if he comes into camp, and he looks. Just pretty good. He doesn't look like a star. He doesn't look like the greatest punter in the world, but as long as he can do the job that he's supposed to do, this is going to be his because you can have him on a cost controlled contract for the next four years. He can be your guy and you can kind of build that core with a young kicker and Tyler Bass, a young punter and a and then Reed Ferguson, who has become basically the leader of the special teams unit. So I think that he is going to win the job. And I think he's probably the favorite to win the job, but it is also not going to be handed to him. It's going to be the same thing we had to see with Bass and Houshka. It was so close and then they started kicking long kicks, and Bass was making them, and Hauschka was leaving them short. And then it kind of became apparent like, okay, they're going to go with the young guy. And I think it's going to be the same thing here.
1: You said you saw Von Miller out there. We saw a video of Stefan Diggs there. You mm-hmm. know, he was also here. He was in town for the players when they went to the memorial of the tragic shooting yep. here in Buffalo on the East Side. The one player we did not see at OTAs, and we know he's not there. Is Jordan Poyer. Now, other players aren't there, but this is notable because we understand also that he has a contract situation that has been brought up, even his own mm-hmm. agent, Drew Rosenhaus, on record talking about that. All right. So, Sean McDermott's saying the right things. And hey, you know, we're going to concentrate on the guys here and business is business right now. We know that. Mm-hmm. By the way, notable Jordan was here for the Micah Hyde charity softball game, not at OTAs. I guess the question I want to bring to you, Matt, is at what point? if at all, should Bill's fans really kind of be concerned about this? Well, and it's also
0: that much more interesting because he is in town for the ECMC virtual yes. golf tournament at That's the Royal right. golf dome. And he was there. And that was the day after we were out at OTA. So he is in town, or at least he was in town for this event. And that was on Wednesday. We watched them on Tuesday to answer your question. I think it gets to mandatory minicamp. I mean, he's got to be there for mandatory minicamp. And if he's not, this becomes not a sidebar story of, oh, hey, Jordan Poyer isn't there, to probably the biggest story because of, one, the type of player he is, two, the leadership qualities that he's brought to the team, and three, the expectations for this season. The Bills are a better team when Jordan Poyer is on the field. They want him to be here. The question becomes – do they want to pay him as one of the best safeties in the NFL for a couple years down the road? Jordan Poyer is at the point in his career and is at the age where he needs to cash in. Like he needs to get one more contract that probably puts him and his family in a comfortable spot for the rest of his life. The bills are looking at it like, Hey, we're in the best window we've ever been in. We need all of these guys to buy in and we just need to figure out what happens down the road. Once we get down the road, they're looking to it, you know, let's take care of it this year. I think mandatory minicamp, if he's not there for that, it
1: becomes a big story. And that's when you start to wonder what's going to happen. If you go to my Twitter feed at Sal Sports, you'll notice I always have my pinned tweet as the Bills roster and I've color coded the new additions and the UDFAs and things like that. And the one thing that's always notable to me, Matt, is they did not make one single addition at only one position. And that's safety. They didn't bring Mm -hmm. anybody in. Everybody on their roster at safety right now is exactly who it was at the end of last season. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Jaquan Johnson, DeMar Hamlin, and Josh Thomas from the practice squad. So it's not like they have these guys waiting in the wings that they're, oh yeah, we can move on from Jordan Poyer. I don't think at all. I, I agree with you. They they know they want Jordan Poyer here. But I do find it interesting that Brandon Bean acted pretty quickly in the Stefan Diggs situation. That has not happened in this situation. And Poyer's a couple years older than Diggs plays a little more physical position, a lot more, I guess. But I, that's where I get shy of everything's just going to work itself out because, well, why hasn't it yet? I do think it will. I agree with you, mandatory mini minicamp's the time. But I keep thinking, why hasn't it happened yet?
0: My question becomes, can they put a Band-Aid on it or can they right. figure out some sort of short-term solution that makes him happy? It also helps the Bills. And then they can put all of this stuff to bed. So one year left on his contract. I really don't think they would want his contract and Micah Hyde's contract to be parallel with each other because that just seems kind of sketchy and like bad business. So my question becomes- And by I- the
1: way, to, not to interrupt you, that's a great point you just made because that's what they've done. They've, they've actually extended each of them over the last mm-hmm. few years and they've made sure that neither of them ends at the same time by doing it.
0: So I think Jordan Poyer is probably looking to get I don't want to say a long-term deal because he's at the point in his career where what is quote long-term, but I would bet he's probably trying to get, you know, three, four, five years and a bunch of money. I bet the bills would like to sign him for two years because then that puts him one year past Micah Hyde. And then it's not super late into his career. That would be his year 33 season, I believe. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I do ultimately at the end of the day, him coming to the charity baseball game, him being in town for the ECMC virtual golf tournament, all of these things, like he is very much part of this community and very much loves the organization. And he wants to be part of the team that ultimately gets it done. And they have gotten so close with him on the field that I think the situation is going to work itself out. But I understand at this point, He's got a little bit of leverage, so he's using it
1: speaking of guys in contracts, we know that Josh Allen isn't going anywhere he's under contract for a long time. he's actually still in his rookie deal, believe it or not. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that, that extension some of the money kicks in his new contract making 40 million a year kicks in next year. let's talk about some odds though that recently came out with Josh Allen. All right, Matt. So I get an email from uh, I get emails from a lot of different sports betting websites, you know, just to talk about them on the air for content. And this particular one came from Sports Betting AG, which I've used on the air before. And I say that because you can go to a lot of places and get a lot of different odds. So this is this, isn't, this is not universal here. But I thought it was notable this particular email that actually said, "Hey, take a look at who the league MVP favorite is now." It was Josh Allen not too long ago, and at Sports Betting AG. Justin Herbert has now taken over the top spot for MVP favorite in the NFL. Not by much. Justin Herbert's a plus 550. Josh Allen's a plus 600. And then you go down to Mahomes at plus 900, Burrow at plus 1100. So they're both pretty entrenched as the top two. But Justin Herbert has passed Josh Allen. And the reason given on the email was after a rumored air it out assault coming from Brandon Staley, basically (laughs) meaning – the Chargers are going to throw the ball every play, and he's going to put up a b- bazillion b- bonkers numbers, basically. And that's why Justin Herbert is the favorite for MVP. Now, I don't think Bills fans care as long as Josh Allen wins the Super Bowl, who wins the MVP. Mm-hmm. But I get a lot of Bills fans who basically have said, oh, my God, that's garbage. How can this happen? I can understand how it can happen, even though I might not ag- Might not agree this
0: comes back to the conversation we had in the first episode about the schedule. And when we were talking about how the AFC West is just going to all beat up on each other. And I very much like Justin Herbert, like he could certainly have an MVP type season, but he also is going to be in a division with a bunch of other teams that appear to be contenders and if he finishes third in the division and maybe they miss the playoffs or he doesn't have as great of a year as people think he's going to have i just for the odds that he's listed at at plus 550 i just don't think there's any value in that whatsoever and i feel like with all of these kind of betting websites and different places where you can place your bets I am no betting or gambling expert by any stretch, but to me, it's all about value. and right. I don't think I don't think he's a value. and quite frankly, I actually don't think Josh Allen's a value either. I think Josh Allen could win the MVP, but at plus 600, I don't think that value is as good as it is with Aaron Rodgers at plus 1400 or Tom Brady at plus 1400. I mean those are twice as good odds if not a little bit more. So yeah, I, I think personally, if you ask me right now who is the favorite to win the MVP, I would say Josh Allen is the most likely to win the MVP because he is a freak of nature. The Bills are going to be really good and he's got just as good, if not better, weapons than he had last year. That being said, at plus 600, if I was putting my money on it, I think I would lean elsewhere.
1: You know, to win an MVP award, usually it goes to a quarterback. We know that mm-hmm. it has gone to other positions, but A, you have to have the statistics. There's no doubt. But obviously your team has to have success as well. Here's the path, I think, that Justin Herbert to justify it for all the Bills fans who are upset about this. Look, I mean, they do have a a really good team. They did get Khalil Mack. If they overtake the Kansas City Chiefs, and let's remember, voting is done only in the regular season. This is not a postseason award. MVPs, all those kinds of things, player of the year, coach of the year, that's all regular season that's based on. Matt, if we get to the end of the year and Justin Herbert puts up really, even if he's just slightly below Josh Allen's numbers, and they beat the Chiefs for the division, mm-hmm. I could see Justin Herbert getting enough votes for MVP.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's the that's the thing. I mean, there's a reason. Look at the favorites. Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. We are talking about six players who are leading teams that are contenders. There's a reason that happens. Like, these teams are good because these quarterbacks are exceptional. So I could see any of them winning it. I'll tell you, though, I'm looking at the list. How about... Dak Prescott at plus 2,500. I know people are going to listen to this and they're going to scoff and they're going to go, Dak Prescott.
1: But value, oh
0: value. Plus 2,500. You throw 10 bucks on it if he wins. You win 250 bucks. I mean, That's Lamar
1: 20. Jackson's at 2,500. He's already won an MVP. I know. It's crazy. I didn't six even out, out of the eight, month. by the way. The top six out of the eight are from the AFC. Not a surprise, right? Not a surprise. The
0: AFC is just so. Freaking loaded with these quarterbacks. It's unbelievable. And that's what's going to make this year so much fun. I mean, I'm looking at some of the other ones. How about that? Jalen hurts has better odds than Lamar Kyler and Dak. (laughs) That's pretty interesting.
1: Yeah. They've really made some changes on that team. Here's some other odds though, for you, not just MVP. That's really interesting. I did notice, and Bill's fans are happy about this one. I think James cook, the running back out of Georgia, Buffalo Bills second round draft pick tied for the third best odds for for offensive rookie of the year. He's only behind Kenny Pickett and Chris Olave. They're at plus 600 and 800 respectively. And then it's James Cook, Brees Hall and Sky Moore all tied at plus 900. That is the only grouping, those five below a plus 1000, which means, you know, those guys are all getting a lot of love here. And I could see a path, James Cook being voted that, you know, you think about, well, he's not going to get much volume. Well, where, where does the, um, the, the rookie of the year usually come from? A lot of times it's quarterbacks. I don't know if you have a viable option this year. Kenny Pickett's the number one guy. I don't think Kenny Pickett's necessarily going to win rookie of the year.
0: I don't even think Kenny Pickett's going to start the right. season for the, for the Steelers. And if that's the kind of thing, I mean, Kenny Pickett's not going to win rookie of the year if he plays half of the season. That's just not going to happen. So then you start to look at the other guys. And I think James Cook has a very compelling chance at this because of the situation that he's in. Like, there's a reason the Bills added him. He fits a need in this offense. I go back to with James Cook. The Bills tried to sign JD McKissick. Like they were spending money on a free agent running back who has been in the league for a while. So clearly, right. this is a position that they are trying to address, whether that's the 1B to Devin Singletary's 1A, or they're looking at this from a completely different lens. The Bills went into this offseason knowing that they were going to address the running back position. The McKissick stuff doesn't work out. Then they ultimately end up drafting James Cook in the second round. They trade back a couple times because there was also Isaiah Spiller there. So I think they probably liked both of them, and they were just going to say, hey, one of those guys is going to be available. We'll take whatever one is there. One of the things we mentioned in the first pod was that James Cook, when I went out on the practice field, I was a little surprised by his size. I know that he's not his brother. And that's why he was a second-round pick and not a first-round pick or a higher second-round pick. Delvin has become you know, one of the best running backs in the league. That being said, you also realize how shifty he is. And I'm never going to say that somebody is not big enough to be a dynamic player because Isaiah McKenzie is not a huge guy, and he has been a really dynamic player for this team when given the opportunity. So for James Cook, I think he is going to be very involved in the passing game. I think he's going to get a couple – handoffs every game, mm-hmm. let's say five, six, seven, somewhere in that range. But I think he's going to be a difference maker. And I think given the bills high powered offense that they're going to have Ken Dorsey taken over, they're going to run probably a little bit more 11 personnel with the addition of OJ Howard. It's a much more viable second tight end than they've had in years past. I could see this team using the running backs a little bit more, but I also don't want that to scare away bills fans because people <laughs> are like, Oh, just let right. Josh Allen throw the ball using the running backs more does not mean that they're going to hand it off to the running backs more. It means, Hey, maybe there's some screen passes. This team has had like five successful screen passes in the last five years. Maybe this becomes a part of the offense. So I think James cook is going to carve out a nice little role here.
1: Yeah, I agree with all that. I just got, I got a couple of different texts the last couple of weeks from friends of mine around the country asking me what they should do with James cook in their dynasty fantasy draft. And I'm like, same thing you said. I said, look, He's going to be involved. It's a PPR league. Go get him. I mean, you know, he's going to catch passes. I don't know what work he's going to get the goal line. Probably not much. Who knows? Not going to get a lot of volume carrying the ball, but he's going to see the ball. He's, he's in a great situation because he, he, as you pointed out, they have a plan, I think, for that type of player and that player. But yet at the same time, he's not going to be expected to have that workload of what, you know, Devin Singletary to me, Devin Singletary is still the number one guy. Now on the defensive side, Kyrie Elam has the 11th best odds, according to this website, uh, sports, sports betting, AG to win the defensive rookie of the year. And I don't know, man, I think a lot of this depends on, and I don't you know 11th best, whatever. He's probably right where he belongs. But when I think about his, you know, wh- how much time he's going to see, I think it all still depends on, we talked about this the last podcast a little bit, Tredavious white, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like where he is, what he is. I can't see Kyrie Emon not starting over Dane Jackson. He's not going to get handed the job, but depending on what happens with Tredavious White, might depend on who he sees, what receivers he goes against, and how he's used. Well, yeah, we might see him
0: get thrown right into the fire right. week week one. I mean, if Tredavious White is ready to go, and it seems like – one of the things Sean McDermott said during OTAs is that Trey's on schedule. Right. I don't exactly know what on schedule means, but it's better than behind. So that's good. Um, and he's been around the facility a ton. We've both seen him out and about. So I think that he's trending in the right direction, but Kair Elam week one, go against the Rams, Cooper cup, Allen Robinson. Good luck. Cause you're going to be on one of those guys. Probably. That makes things a little bit tricky. So I do think that, He is going to get the opportunities. I think he's going to win the starting job. And I think he's going to play a lot of snaps for this team. That being said, when you're talking about Defensive Rookie of the Year, it's going to all come down to like how many interceptions does the guy have? And it's not like, yeah. And it's not like he was a ball hawk when he was in Florida. He's just a really solid cornerback. The Bills don't need somebody who's going to get six, seven, eight interceptions. They just need somebody who's going to play the position the way it's meant to be played and just kind of, you know, do everything. Sure, interceptions are great, but, I mean, the year that Trey was an all-pro, what did he have? Do you know off the top of your head? Because I I don't remember,
1: but it wasn't a ton. Six, maybe? Five or six? That's what I'm – yeah.
0: Yeah, so, like, you know, we're not talking about anything crazy. We're not talking about Trayvon Diggs from last year. So, yeah, Kyrie Elam, I
1: think he's a good player. I think he's got a shot, but I, I wouldn't put any money on it. By the way, the top guys for Defensive Rookie of the Year, no surprise, mostly edge rushers. Aiden Hutchinson Kayvon Thibodeau. Kyle Hamilton is there. He's just a super player who can play everywhere for the Ravens, a safety, George Karlaftis, uh, Quay Walker, Jermaine Johnson. So you get down, then you get into the Ma- Ahmad Gardner's and guys like that. And then Daryl, Derek Stingley, Jr. Kyrie Elam just below that. And then finally to wrap this one up. So Sean McDermott is actually the favorite right now. Solo favorite for coach of the year in the NFL. I have no Problem with this, as far as um, understanding why, uh, and I understand that Bills fans might be upset about the way last season ended and coaching decisions. I, I get all that; like that's part of sports. But Sean McDermott is very much deserving to be in the mix for Coach of the Year because he has a, he has an opportunity here once again to have a fantastic regular season, which is voted on. He could take the team to the Super Bowl, and I think that you know, the division he's in is going to give that this team an opportunity to maybe be the top seed in the AFC. And when it's all said and done, people will look at that and say, yeah, you might have the best quarterback. You might have a really good roster, but you're still did a really good job coaching.
0: The thing that's weird to me about the coach of the year stuff is that I almost feel like coach of the year should be like the coach that leads his team to, you know, heights that they haven't been before. And I know that's not the spirit of the rule, but like the bills are really good and the bills have been really good.
1: So for does two the years. best with the least. I, I agree with you, right? Does, the coach that does the most with the least, right? I think that's the good way to put it. Yeah. I agree that a lot of times I would vote for the same thing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, here's a weird analogy, but like when I think of last NHL season, hockey, like, I think you could argue that Don Granado should have been in the conversation for coach of the year. And I know the Sabres missed the playoffs by a bunch of points, but they far exceeded expectations. So for me, when I think coach of the year, that's what I go to. We know Sean McDermott is a good NFL coach. The league knows that he's a good NFL coach. What does he, if the bills go 14 and three this year or 13 and four, are we really learning anything about Sean McDermott as a coach? So, I don't know. That just, it feels a little weird to me.
1: No, I totally get that. Um, I agree with you. Generally, I go with the coach who does the most with the least. But sometimes a coach just that's, – um, that's penalizing, though, to me a lot of times, guys who just do a really good job. That's a good point. You know, and like, I don't know. Like, Phil Jackson, to me, part of his genius of coaching was actually being able to coach the superstars on the Bulls, yeah, right? Yeah. Even though it's not necessarily the tactical stuff. He had that. But being able to coach really good players – is part of coaching. It's part of relating to people. So I can understand that as well. Now, what's interesting to me about this particular, the odds on this coach of the year, Brandon Staley, the Chargers, we know he's going to be right there. Maybe he has a chance. You know, he's up there. The next two that he's tied with, actually, at number two behind Sean McDermott, Dan Campbell and mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels.
0: Yeah, 100%. And that goes to the conversation we were just having. Dan Campbell, a lot of people think the Lions are going to be better this year. I don't know if that means they're going to be a playoff team or anything like that, but if they're floating around 500 based off of what we saw last year, that team lost a lot of really close, heartbreaking games with the influx that they've made on the roster this year. I could totally see him. And then as far as McDaniels is concerned, like that team should be good. So I could see both of those. I think that they make a lot of sense, but at the same time, the odds aren't exceptional. I mean, those guys are plus 1400 McDermott's plus a thousand. If you think the bills are going to be, you know, a super bowl contender, you might as well throw 10
1: bucks on Sean McDermott because it would pay out a hundred and that's a pretty good return there. A couple names real quick that just stand out. Bill Belichick and Andy Reid are tied for 18th on the odds for coach of the year at plus 2,500. So that everybody knows. And how about, uh, former Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dable coming in in the top 10 plus 1800 for coach of the year. Yeah. I mean, he'd have to have a really, that, that would go back to the conversation we just had, you know, he'd have to have a really good year and, you know, kind of rise up a little bit there. But I thought that was interesting. Brian Dable in his first year, he is uh, listed. I think the giants are in for probably a bit of a decline because they're going to reset the roster with Joe Shane and how he wants to mm-hmm. do it. But you could see Belichick in the mix for the playoffs. And of course, Andy Reed in the mix for even the AFC. And yet he's 18th overall in the odds tied with Belichick.
0: My favorite guy on this list as the odds are right now is Frank Reich at 2,500. Okay. And I think because that division isn't very good, I think the Colts are going to compete for that division. If they compete for that division, that means they're probably going to have a lot of wins. They're probably going to make the playoffs. He's had success in the past with the veteran type quarterbacks that they've had their carousel the last couple of years. And I think Matt Ryan is probably better not probably Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz. Matt Ryan is at least as good as Phillip rivers was a couple of years ago. And I mean, that team took the bills absolutely down to the wire in the wild card game. That was a really good bills team. So for me, I think the Colts are going to be a sneaky, good team this year. I don't even know if it's sneaky, but that's where I would put my money because the odds are so good. I think he's a good head coach. who has got a lot of respect around the league. And I think that that's a very realistic chance of, you know, actually
1: happening. Pretty interesting and, and good for Bills fans to see so many Bills listed. By the way, Von is up. He's top 15. I think it is in uh, defensive player of the year. And obviously you can understand why for that. All right. There's a big golf match happening. We just talked about our golf games with Josh Allen's involved in one. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove here. It's always game day in Buffalo and it's always going to be a uh, game day. It's going to be game day. I should say on the uh, course at the win. I think it is in Vegas, right? They're playing at the win. This is where the match is. that's coming up June 1st, Josh Allen and, Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. You heard Josh talk at OTAs when you were there this week about it. And I think he said something you correct me about. I might not be the best golfer, but I'll be the best trash talker out there.
0: Heck yes. He said that. And I love that line because I think he's self-aware enough to realize that, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are pretty good golfers. Like Aaron Rodgers in the last match, I think he was partnered. Was he with DeChambeau or was he with Brooks?
1: Oh, I can't remember. I have to go and look at that one.
0: Well, regardless, he like carried basically his partner, who is the professional golfer. He made a bunch of big putts. I remember watching that one. So I think Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good player. I don't know how Josh Allen is going to play. I think he's around like an eight or a nine handicap so he's certainly a capable golfer a pretty good golfer he hits the ball like a million miles but everybody we've heard so many times in the past that josh allen is like an elite level trash talker on the football field so i would expect nothing less from him especially if he's going to try and get into the heads of the veterans
1: that he's going against with both brady and rogers the match is going to be on tnt Ernie Johnson will host the live telecast. Charles <laughs> Barkley is going to be there. Uh, JJ Watt's going to be there. Trevor Immelman's going to be there. Amanda Renner's going to be, be there. This is going to be pretty cool. Brady is really getting into this whole thing on social media. He is trash talking Allen. He's trash talking Mahomes. They have this video now of Brady hitting, like, eagling a hole essentially in the ball. Hey, did you see this drone video thing? This has got to be super fake, right?
0: Oh, it's so fake. Yeah. Our old buddy, Tom Martin, who works for a video production company and they do a ton of work with golf and the PGA tour and stuff. He was like, yeah, it's, it's totally fake. It looked fake to me because a ball doesn't go into the hole like that. Like it did the video. It just looked weird. And then when he put the stamp of like, oh yeah, this is totally fake, but really cool. And that's the thing. Fake or not, the video is cool. And Tom Brady uh, people are going to hate me for this. Tom Brady has become so likable over oh. the years, so likable. And I understand what he did to this organization and to this city for 20 years, essentially. But the way he's utilized social media, his personality, him being able to kind of show that off. I mean, for so long he was in the whole Patriot way, Patriots, nobody's bigger than the team, blah, 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 blah. Well, now he gets to show off his personality, and he actually seems like a pretty fun and cool guy. And I'm sure that will be on display in the match.
1: You know, um, I've said it on WGR plenty of times, and Howard and Jeremy hate me saying this. They rail against me. I know Bill's fans don't like it, but some understand and and, and do, which is I loved watching Man in the Arena, Tom Brady, the documentary. I loved it. It's actually been, I think it was awarded, maybe it was nominated for um, a couple of Emmys, Best Documentary Series, Best Long Form Editing, but it was fantastic, and you're right. um, You see him in a different light, and he's having fun with this. He's having fun. Good for him, I say. you know, That's what it should be all about, but I don't know if you've seen the series or not. I think it's fascinating.
0: I haven't watched it yet. I do want to give it a shot. It's one of those things that I feel like I want to watch basically not from start to finish, but I want to be able to carve out some time and watch a couple episodes at a time. So it's not super spread out, but I'm sure I would enjoy it just because I appreciate NFL history. And for the last two decades, he has been the face of the NFL and has had the most success in the NFL. So I would like to see kind of all of those different moments from his perspective.
1: Do we know if Patrick Mahomes is a good golfer?
0: Yeah, I think he's a good golfer. I think they're all good golfers. I don't know who the best is at last check. Rogers Rogers is really good. I think, right? Yeah, I would say, well, Rogers and Brady are the favorites here, right? Um, I, I think that's kind of one of those situations where like Mahomes and Allen probably absolutely smashed the ball and they hit some unbelievable shots, right. but they're probably not as consistent. Right. And Brady and Rogers, you know, hit the fairway 270 yards right down the middle, and then <laughs> they put an iron to the fat of the green, and then they two putt and they get a par. Josh Allen and Mahomes. I have not played with either of them. I don't know this, but I'm guessing they hit it 340 and they hit one out of every three fairways or four fairways, and then they got a wedge in, and sometimes they stick it super close, and sometimes they miss the green completely. So I would bet they have very different styles of their golf game.
1: So what you're saying, Matt, is Tom Brady is a system golfer, and (laughs) Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes play out of structure. What I'm saying is that
0: (laughs) you would want both of them on your scramble foursome because you can sell Josh – You put Brady first and you say, go hit the fairway. And if he hits the fairway, then everybody else in the group
1: can swing away because you've already got your insurance policy taken care of. It's going to be cool, though. You know, for so long we lived in a, you know, I I don't don't like using the word irrelevant. If you're one of the 32 NFL teams, you're not irrelevant. But for so long we lived in a spot where the Bills didn't get this kind of love. No. Not just from a team standpoint. I mean, here's their quarterback who's playing in, like, the biggest – you know, crossover sports event, maybe of the summer against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And it's this big hype train and deal. And it's amazing to see it's the Buffalo Bills guy, Matt.
0: Well, that's the thing. And I think it's so cool for the fan base because they waited so long for this. And the last time they had this guy, was Jim Kelly, but it was Mm -hmm. very different then. It was pre-social media. It was pre the NFL being the absolute machine that it is right now. I mean, if you listed the top 10 superstar athletes in America right now, Josh Allen is on that list. And we're not just talking about football. We're talking about all of the different sports you see guys like LeBron James tweeting about Josh Allen when the bills are playing in a playoff game, you see actors from the office tweeting about how much they love Josh Allen and how he's one of their favorite quarterbacks. Like he has arrived on the scene and that was very evident when they made the schedule that they put the bills in all of these different slots where the entire country can watch. And the fact that he's doing these kind of things speaks to one, the level of stardom that he has reached, but two, he kind of thrives in that role. He's a personable guy. He's a funny guy. He's got a personality. So he really is kind of the, the perfect fit for all of that stuff.
1: When he was at the Micah like Hyde charity softball event that we spoke about last time, we were walking out, he was near me. And I said, Hey, you know, when do you, when do you go out to Vegas? I was a bit surprised actually. He said he'll literally, so, so the match is on a Wednesday, right? June 1st mm-hmm. of Wednesday, I believe what he said was, He'll fly out on Monday, play the course on Tuesday, and then the matches on Wednesday. I thought he'd get a little more practice at that course.
0: Well, honestly, it's probably because he's sticking around for OTAs right. this that's week. Right. And I think he'll he'll miss OTAs next week. I mean, it's not a big deal, you know. Right, you know, he's or been at least for a day the, or two. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's been here for the first couple. So that's probably honestly what it is, is yep. that he was sticking around in Buffalo to practice this week with the team, spend the weekend. He'll probably get a little practice in here in Buffalo, and then he'll fly it's it's weird because i'm sure he would like to play the course as many times as he possibly can but also given the format of the match i think it's a two man scramble you really don't need to spend it on it. You just just hit fairways and hit shots on the green. Those guys are so dynamic of athletes. They can kind of thrive in any situation. You
1: make it sound so simple. Just hit fairways and hit greens and regulation, Matt. You make it sound so simple, right? I mean, come well,
0: on. Well, I can't do it. I can't do it either. My driver is far and away the worst club in my bag. I, env- I envy people who can hit fairways. I cannot do that. But I think those guys can because they're a hundred times the athlete that I have ever even dreamt of being.
1: Uh, Matt, you were at OTAs. You have video. Tell everybody where they can um, go see the video from the latest rounds of OTAs, both online and, you know, obviously at your site and your station.
0: Yeah. So usually I try and fire them off as quick as I can on social media at Matt underscore Bove. That's usually when we're out at practice, and then obviously they're on our newscasts and they're on our sportscasts on Channel Seven every single night. So it's the fun part of the off season now. And then we continue to kind of go here until June mandatory mini camps, right in the middle. Then we all reset. We all take a break. Sale goes on vacation. I go on vacation. We all go on vacation because basically the end of June and the beginning of July is the only time when the NFL shuts down. And then just like that training camp begins and we find ourselves on twin mattresses in dorm rooms (laughs) at St. John Fisher college.
1: Yes, actually, I'll be on a uh, cruise in the Mediterranean later this summer. We're going to talk about that for sure on one of these podcasts. But in the meantime, we're glad that you came by for this one. We want to thank our producer, Jim Stelianu, doing a great job here. Always game day. It's always game day in Buffalo. Find it wherever you pod, download it, subscribe to it, follow it, however it is. Matt, until the next time, great chatting with you again. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more content as far as the Buffalo Bills are concerned heading into the next round of OTAs.
0: Absolutely. We'll keep chugging along here.